Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Naturally Nino podcast. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. Um, I also just want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who has been following my new journey and starting this podcast and listening to all of our, well, all of my new episodes that have been coming out and all the support that I've been receiving. It's been really wonderful. Um, Thanks for tuning in today. I have a really exciting guest. Um, her name is Nicole Valentine. <laughs> um, she is a yoga instruct- instructor. She is a travel writer and a wellness brand influencer. Um, she's based in Los Angeles, California, and her love for wellness has led to many brand partnerships with companies like South Beach Diet, Gaim, and No Foods. For most of her life, she did struggle with her weight and her looks, um, so she has been inspired um, you know, to really use her creative skills to share what she's been doing and inspire others to do the same. Um, she also acts from time to time, um, and you know, she enjoys sharing her fun-filled life um, and also sharing her journey to, you know, starting a more healthier lifestyle. Um, so, Nicole, do you want to say hi to everyone? Yes. Hi, everybody. This is my first time being on a podcast, so it's pretty exciting. <laughs> like oh, someone's going to well, be listening to my voice. <laughs> It was, you know, uh, when I first started doing this, it was so awkward because yeah. I cringe at like hearing my own voice, especially when Instagram came out with stories. I'm like, who's mm-hmm. even going to use this? But now after doing this for so long, I feel like you just get used to it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I've been working. I want to start a YouTube channel about, you know, wellness and my travel experiences and just like overall quality of life but I've been so nervous about it because I have to talk to a camera and I'm just like I like taking cute pictures and I like speaking but I don't know if I like doing them simultaneously like literally being an image with words coming out my mouth in front of something so it it makes me nervous but this is nice (laughs) no I totally feel you and literally story of my life because it's actually funny that you mentioned YouTube right now because I'm starting to dive back into that space. Um, Mm -hmm. Because just like you, I was like, so, well, I was scared of making YouTube videos, because I don't know how to edit video, I can edit a photo, I can, you know, my goodness, saturation, the contrast. (laughs) (laughs) But then I'm like, I look at all these like, amazing channels and like people that I follow that I adore, and their videos are just like spot on. And I'm like, wow, like, my video looks like shit. But right. And like so much editing, like it takes time. It really does. Like people like bash influencers and YouTubers and all that stuff. Like, oh, they're just making easy money, but it really isn't. Um, No, it's not. your life or, you know, and also it's so vulnerable to share so much of yourself with people. So, oh my God, that should be complicated. I I know, right? (laughs) I actually um, recently was watching, I came across Desi Perkins, which I'm pretty sure you know her um, on YouTube. And I discovered her this past fall when I was like, I went into this deep hole of like just watching YouTube and like all these different people. And I was like, oh my God, it's a whole nother world. But it's so weird because I felt more connected than I ever have with a Mm -hmm. group of people than I ever did anywhere else on any other platform. 
Right. Like, that is true. And it's weird. I'm not sure why. And then the other day, well, this was like three days ago, probably I came across, I didn't even know she posted it, but she posted her fertility journey about like getting pregnant and just like, cause it's been like six years that they couldn't get pre- pregnant and they recorded themselves um, going through all the treatments and the IVF and all of that. And it's like four, four episodes. I kid you not. I literally cried. Wow. Like, cried because mm-hmm. I like, that's how, vulnerable and open she was in those videos and just like Mm -hmm. literally can you imagine like turning on the camera and just crying to the camera yeah and that's the thing I I was like I know that's the level of vulnerability you need to really you know because yes you are sharing your story yes you want to inspire and help people but it still is a business to it and Mm -hmm. In order for your video to even be seen, that level of vulnerability has to be in it or else the algorithm is literally going to ignore you. (laughs) I know, literally. But I do think that, you know, there's a little bit more of that relationship building that happens on YouTube than I think on Instagram. Because, well, you and I have been on Instagram for many years now. Mm -hmm. We... So for those of you listening, guys, actually, so Nicole and I met in high school. Um, it's wild to say that it's been over a decade. Yes. <laughs> Basically a decade since we um, graduated, which is wild. But um, yeah, we, we knew each other then. And then when both of us entered the social media world, like through Instagram primarily, uh, we followed each other and we've been following each other's journeys for ever now and just like supporting mm-hmm. each other and it's really nice especially when you know someone personally um to still see that like they're doing well and just like you know living life through their posts <laughs> in right. a way um and I'm just that's why I'm like so excited to be recording this episode with you because I think our paths have been very similar in different right. ways right and, and then so- I also feel like to see to see, I, I, I'm sure you've interviewed people and spoken to people that you know somewhat of their story or you have an idea of who they are now, but like to actually know that you've seen this person do the things that they say they did, you know, as yes. their backstory. Yeah. You see, you saw me in high school when I was yes. like overweight, pimply, like <laughs> all that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you have really transformed a lot since high school, like literally just blossomed, you know, especially once you started posting your like, what you're eating and just like, you know, transitioning into a more healthier lifestyle, even like smoothies, like lately, I've been seeing you post like a bunch of smoothies. And it just makes me so happy, you know, when I see people like just thrive. Um, Because that's really what it's about. I would say um, I started to like, you're the smoothie queen. Um, <laughs> I'm sure the people who are listening to your podcast know that, but I will say there was definitely a period when you were raw vegan and you're making mm-hmm. all types of smoothies. I think you're the one who introduced me to medjool dates. I'm like, she's putting dates in everything. Now I know why. No because way. they're sweet and they're yummy and they're full of carbs. <laughs> no way. That's so yes. funny. It's so like, she's, what is this? I was like, I do. It's like, I'm, what is she putting in? And then it's like, and the, and they sounded really fancy. I'm like, Majul dates. Like what's that? I, 
Listen, when I found out about medjool dates myself, I went into a crazy obsession. But uh, the reason I eat so much of them is because I was trying to stop eating processed sugar. And so dates were really the key and the secret to how I was able to quit processed sugar because they were so sweet. And so I replaced all my sugar cravings with dates. I was like, I know that there's a lot. I know that I'm eating them in excess. I really shouldn't be eating this much. But it's better that I eat this than eat the processed sugar. So that's actually what helped me. I would definitely say eating plant-based and just eating whole foods, like very few ingredients, eating like food that's grown out of the ground or coming off a tree, you Mm -hmm. realize like it's so much better. It just tastes so much better. It fills you better um, than those cravings like it's just like wow like I've been trying to eat this and like a date is actually more sugary than like half the things that the sweet treats that you might be craving but yet like a naturally grown you can get that exactly and everything we're eating is just trying to mimic the real foods that we eat the real food (laughs) like fruit exactly for example like just eat the fruit yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'd be in a fruit snack mood, but <laughs> that can't definitely be all the time. Something. No, yeah, it's definitely not all the time. I think, you know, it's okay if you want to like have something once in a while, but mm-hmm. not all the time. Because also, you know, to your point, when you eat something that is not like literally a plant, right? That's or a fruit that's growing from the ground, mm-hmm. when you eat that in comparison to a fruit snack, right? You feel satisfaction. Um, like a sense of like, wow, I was hungry, I ate and I'm good now. Like you don't get that with junk food. I mean, I like, you can literally eat an entire bag of chips and then say, hey, I'm still hungry. That's true. Or I still want more chips because like that Mm -hmm. craving wasn't really fulfilled. Exactly. And I grew up eating a ton. Well, I mean, I ate home cooked food because my parents were Russian. They cooked, my mom Mm -hmm. would cook. But that doesn't mean that we didn't have soda. Like we had, we always had soda in the house. Um, I was allowed to eat ice cream. I I loved ice cream. And obviously Mm -hmm. we would eat chips and sugar. Sugar was like my weakness. Um, What about like when you were growing up? Because you didn't, you came from, I mean, we were both, we both were raised in New York. Yeah. And so in New York, you don't really have, most people aren't really that health conscious. No. And like. I think there's this idea that New Yorkers are like, I've had people tell me, Oh, like, yeah, the fashion girls, they get skinny and they like smoke their cigarettes to like stay small, um, to like curb their cravings mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And then they'll eat like a bacon, egg and cheese when mm-hmm. they are hungry, which is still like not nutrient efficient. Like, well, like they're a basically lot of starving themselves. Right. Or you're, so that wasn't, that was a thing I battled with. Like, a big, big part of my life, I had a horrible relationship with food, and a lot of what I was doing was starving myself and eating at the most random of times. Like I could mm. go long times without eating, and then I'll be like, "Oh, I, I'm like, I actually feel my stomach like, gr- like you know, making that sound. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's time to like put something in it." And that's really like when you learn your body, like you start noticing symptoms of being hungry from just being sluggish from like your energy levels have dropped. Like those are the first signs of hunger and that's when you should be eating. Mm -hmm. But if you have a horrible relationship with food, 
you think, oh, if I eat that, that's just more calories or that's just going to make me mm-hmm. fat. And it could be a banana. It's like, no, eat that. Like, right. I don't tell but myself you, I can't you eat anything. Counting everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I eat whatever I want um, when I want, but How I've had think- to learn. Oh, huh? Go ahead. I was going to say, what do you think? Like, why do you think you thought that way? Like, what do you think contributed to that? Right. And that goes back to um, what you mentioned about, like, how you're raised growing up. So, like, you know, we both grew up in Brooklyn from immigrant Mm -hmm. families who are just, like, cooking. Like, they just want to make food that's, like, rich, that's warm, Mm -hmm. that's filling, um, things that could be preserved for long periods of time. Because, like, I didn't come from a bunch of money, right? So, like, my mom was Neither did I, yeah. Right. Caribbean, Jamaican food. And like, if mm-hmm. I cook a big pot of rice, it'll last all yes. week. If I cook or pasta. pasta, it'll last all week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like we would it go was, to the was... bagel shop, you know, like in, in Brooklyn, yeah. like we would go to, yeah. not only did you have your parents cooking like that, but then you're also with your friends trying to eat whatever they're eating. So like mm-hmm. we went to Edward R. Murrow High School, Performing Arts High School, very happy I went. Great experience. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it was, honestly, I think Murrow was the best high school at that time. I really have no idea what it's like right now, but I feel yeah. like during our time, I think anyone who went there can vouch for the fact that I think we all had a really good time. <laughs> yeah. It like trained us to be adults with the optional, you know, periods for lunch. And then we can like either leave school early and go home and get on our lives. A lot of kids had jobs, but then we'd Mm -hmm. also like this money that we're making in high school, like, Ooh, I want to go to the bagel shop. I want to hang out with my friends (laughs) after school and get pizza. And that was just very much a part. Oh my goodness. You love chock full of nuts. I, we we both did. We get the, (laughs) they had like some sweet bread that had like dates or no, no nuts and like raisins and stuff in it. And then you get cream cheese on it. Yes. It was like the best. Well, first of all, they had the best iced coffee ever, hands down. And they also, I don't know why, but I remember this so much. They had this, um, and tell me if you remember, it was like a chocolate, uh, muffin that oh, I think had goodness. like a little scoop of cream cheese on top. That's what it was. Yeah. But then you also had the bread that you could get the cream cheese in the middle. And I'm like, yeah. When now our serving portions for that would probably be like just the zero. muffin, no cream cheese, <laughs> zero, half a muffin. I don't know. Zero. <laughs> no milk. Um, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, that it was one of the best things ever. I agree with you. But yeah, go on. Sorry. You're like, that was good. My thing was the chicken mozzarella barbecue sauce sandwiches from the bagel shop. Mm. It was so yummy, but so bad. And honestly, I don't eat right now. Okay. So that's another part of the journey we'll get to that. Like I'm doing actually a, a raw vegan fast for 21 days. You so, are? Yes. So right now I'm actually not, I definitely couldn't eat any of that. Um, But when I go back to after the 21 days, I decided that I'm probably just going to allow myself to eat what I want, but literally probably eat mostly vegan plant-based. So I don't have to feel like I limit myself if like, it's the one time I'm really craving seafood, I could have it. Or if I'm, I mean, no dairy, because honestly, like, it just doesn't do well in my system. 
Same. There's times I might want some like chicken or like fish. And like, I feel like I should allow myself that. I love sugar fish. I love sushi and Mm -hmm. vegan sushi is great. (laughs) I've had some yesterday from Wild Living Foods, um, which is like one of the few raw vegan places in LA. And it was great, but I just still feel like I would have actually had less sodium had I had just fish. Right. Because yeah, that's the thing with like a lot of the vegan foods that try to be alternatives to everything else is -hmm. they add so much other stuff to it. Like with the spices and the salt, like why, you know, just leave Mm -hmm. it at as is. It's funny that you mentioned that because, well, finish your story and then I'll tell you why it's so funny. (laughs) Oh, so I was basically mentioning that like, because I grew up, um, in a Jamaican household and then eating like a New York city kid, I pretty Mm -hmm. much ate what I want whenever I wanted. And I ate a lot of rich foods. And then I grew personally Jehovah's witness. So because of being raised Jehovah's witness, like, and because of the mom I had, um, there's other Jehovah's witnesses who aren't nearly as strict as my mom was, but the combination of the two things, I pretty much was in the house all the time. Like I didn't go out and play. I didn't do like, a lot of the activities a lot of kids did, like riding bikes, swimming and stuff. So my diet compacted with, you know, pressures of like, you know, eating the similar things to like what you're eating mm-hmm. in school, going on school trips. You know, you wanted to have the hero mm-hmm. with your school on for a school trip. You didn't want to just like be eating fruits and nuts. Like what's that? Or even home cooked yeah. food. Like you wanted to go to the bodega. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> combining all those things you know, you end up leading to an overweight kid, which I was. And it took a lot of me just one switching my environment. I think moving to California literally changed my life. Um, But it also even before moving to California, you know, I became weight conscious, because I'm like, it's no longer baby fat. I'm no longer a teenager. I'm still Mm. bigger than the majority of like people I know. Most of my friends were smaller. I was always like a size or two bigger. Um, Mm. And I think by the time I hit college and like, you know, people are dating more and stuff like that. It really, my size and my weight and like not being happy in my body, like really started to affect me. So that's kind of led my health and wellness journey. And it was a lot of yo-yo dieting at first. (laughs) You remind me again, sorry, you moved to LA when? Did you move during college or after college? After college. So the health, the wellness journey really started in college. Um, And then it moving, I think, really elevated it to where it is now. Oh, wow. What do you, why do you think that? Or I guess, or how, what was that journey like? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so basically, um, in college, I was best friends with this girl who was vegetarian, or she became vegetarian while we were best friends. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. But that was happening. And I also was like, I started running, I think the summer before college, I started like, oh, let me go run Prospect Park, go for a jog. And I started doing it with a friend of mine who you know, Melissa. Uh, yeah. And Melissa's actually a plant-based vegan herself, um, but she lived oh, a block wow. away from me. Yeah. And we grew, and she actually is super strict with her diet. Like there's certain cinnamons she doesn't eat because of how it's like um, processed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, 
but we we started running and mm-hmm. we lived a block a block away from each other we were just so nice since we were five years old I know Aww. and it was perfect so we ran that whole summer before I went to college and I did drop weight and then she went to school upstate I, I wanted to continue working out so I noticed that year that first year of college my freshman year I kind of started falling off again and I was eating a lot of the, you know, like you're in college. So the cafeteria, the cheapest thing you can get at FIT Mm -hmm. um, was like a $2 pizza for lunch. So I was eating a lot of that. Sometimes I'd get the soups because that was cheap or just Mm -hmm. like ready-made stuff because again, eating chips or French fries as a meal is cheaper and pizza is cheaper than buying like fresh food every day. Right. So my friend had decided to become vegetarian around, I think she was maybe already vegetarian sometimes during freshman year. Mm-hmm. And then by sophomore year, um, she had impacted me where I was like, we're already together. We're already hanging out all the time. It was really easy to kind of like pick up that habit of eating vegetarian with her. But it was mm-hmm. like bad vegetarian. It was like a lot of carbs and it was cheap. So I was like, oh, this works. I just get a slice of pizza. I like have some water or whatever and go Mm -hmm. about my business. And I started running cross country. So sophomore year, yeah, I ran cross country for a season. So I'd wake up at 5 a.m., go running in Central Park. Um, We would have to do like one mile like hill sprints because it was cross country. So one mile is really a short distance. So we'd have to do a whole hill sprint like just to build our stamina and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I dropped some weight. So I, I remember I went from like 150 something to like 130 something during that time. But I wow, definitely that's a big was, jump. it was a huge jump because I was just working out. So I was running, right. I was eating vegetarian, but mm-hmm. it wasn't healthy. It was very physical. I was very self-conscious and it was all about me trying to have a flat stomach. And mm-hmm. My stomach was kind of flat, but it was also no muscle tone. Um, I didn't have the best energy. I was there was a diet supplement I started taking called um, oh, I can't remember the name. It was like so many years ago, but it was really popular at the time. It was like a white bottle with a purple cap, and a lot of people would take it. Um, and it was it, it one had, of the extracts. I think. No, it wasn't something like that. That's another thing too. It was all oh, like okay. one of those scientific ones, like a hydroxy cut, but it was proven to work and everyone was buying okay. it up. And it was like $40 at GNC or something. And okay. I started taking it and it was helping with my weight. But I also like, literally, it was so much caffeine for my body. I remember I went running mm-hmm. one day and this is a very kind of bad, but funny story. <laughs> I went running <laughs> in Central Park and my brother came along with me and I had just taken this like pre- diet pill, whatever. I guess uh-huh. it's kind of like a pre-workout diet pill. So I took it and went running and I did the straight three mile. It's like three point something miles in Prospect Park. I did the straight run. And then the moment I stopped, I started peeing on myself <gasps> because oh my the caffeine was so strong. I had so much energy. I wasn't even listening to my body. Like physiologically, I wasn't 
connected in that way to know that I had to use the bathroom or that I oh could, or by the, by the time of the end of the run, I, by that time I knew I had to pee, but I didn't think the moment I stopped, it would just run down my leg. Right. You thought you could at least control, I mean, like hold it. That it's just going to go by itself. Yeah. So at that point wow. I was like, this is scary because that means someone could be working out really intensely on this and like not know their heart is pumping too hard. And like, this is literally, and I think that's why they actually took it off the market because they wow. were telling people you weren't supposed to take it right before a workout. Mm. You were supposed to take it like at the beginning of your day and it would last all day. But I'd purposely take it before a workout hoping to get like the most Intensify burn. the results. Yeah. And people were doing that and dying from it. And then that's when I was like, okay, that's not healthy. Um, wow. So I stopped taking like, it. Yeah. That is, I mean, it's like funny, but it's also like, wow. Like, if, yeah. If, like, it's like funny because I, I on my leg. About it. <laughs> luckily my brother, and I mentioned the brother because luckily if my brother wasn't behind me, he wouldn't have had his sweater to give me to tie around my waist to walk home because my shorts oh, wow. were wet. Yeah, and I had like light gray shorts on, so you saw the pee patch. <laughs> wow. I mean, the thing is that like, you know, we don't really think about it a lot until like, right, it happens to us. But, you know, there's also many times when you hear about these athletes or like people that work out, like especially a lot of bodybuilders who mm-hmm. take a lot of these different supplements and a lot of them die at really young ages in like 40s, 50s, you know. And mm-hmm. you wonder to yourself, like, wait, well, he was really healthy. Why did he die? And I think that's, you know, there's a misconception about what the word healthy is. I think right. health, the word that's health has sure. been misused so much that it's like everything in life is healthy at this point. You know, well, you know, <laughs> you can have coffee, but it's kind of healthy, though. Or you can't have ice cream, but, you know, it's kind of healthy, you know, to yeah, have a little Yeah, and that's thing. why people have a bad relationship with food. Yeah. And, you, you know, know, and it's like, not to say, like, sorry, what were you saying? No, I, no, no, no. I, I was going to say, say uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're so excited. I know there's so much I want to say, because a lot of what you're saying, like, is exactly yes. what I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think there's a misconception and, I, you know, not like the, the thing is that also like our parents, right? They were, Mm -hmm. they're immigrants. And so they were doing, it's not to say that they were feeding us bad, right? It's, Mm -hmm. we come from like, really from, you know, our parents were very into their cultures and they weren't going to just change their culture by coming here, right? So food is a very big part of a person's culture, Mm -hmm. right? Because food is how we as humans unite and get together and especially um like how you said your parents coming from jamaica or my parents coming from ukraine it's when you grow up and you don't have much um you know i grew up pretty poor as well you food food is kind of like the thing that you have to look forward to to enjoy in life right and no one really thought about also uh, years ago when people were le- like really suffering, like for example, like my parents, or I should say even my grandparents, my grandpa was alive during the Holocaust. Like wow. so these are people that come from um, a background of 
you know, where you had moments where you needed to starve to survive. And it was Mm -hmm. all about survival mode. It wasn't about, Hey, can I buy the healthiest stuff possible? (laughs) It's like, you know, we're, we're lucky to, if we can get some bread today or, you know, and they, that's, part of the reason as to why they did cook in batches. It's something that just kind of happened throughout the years and got included and, you know, brought into the culture of it. No, very, very true. I mean, I feel like when you're, like you said, when you're culturally raised to survive and your Mm -hmm. parents are, you just want to, we want to feed you, like nurture you through the food, but also like the best way like a parent can show their love is, they're raising a child that's living, like it's surviving. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's thriving. Like I always like to say, like we're humans are like plants, you know. Like we literally need the same care, you know, food, water, shelter, you know, a place mm-hmm. to be. So, um, in that sense, our parents just wanted to do that for us, and they did it the best way they know how. If you look at a lot of cultural food, it is like heavy meats, like. Mm-hmm heavy meat base, lots of rice, again, things that can fill you very quickly with very little. I mean, eating Mm -hmm. raw now, I feel like I'm chewing for 30 (laughs) minutes because (laughs) it takes forever to eat a meal. And then I'm like, and an hour later, I'm like, and I need to eat another meal or have a juice or something. Um, But that's kind of what our body needs though constant fuel throughout the day and not necessarily like three big meals and nothing else right I feel but like, like you said that's that survival mode at one point yeah. people had to like eat only once a day or twice a day because like that was what they could do mm-hmm. and it's like well what can we eat for the cheapest amount of money that we can eat once and it's going to keep us full until our next meal And then, you know, like Jamaican food is so tasty. So it's like, yeah, we're going to, we only, we're going to take, you look at like a lot of uh, uh, third world countries. It's Mm -hmm. like, food is technically like poor food, but really seasoned and flavored well. Yes. (laughs) Like the foods really come from like poverty, a place of poverty and making it so that it's yummy. Yeah, exactly. Like things like beef patties or like things like corned beef hash. Like it was, you know, simple. It's literally a canned item that turned into a household staple. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, food food is everything. I mean, that's like what I look forward to, especially like when I travel. And I know you travel a lot too. Yeah. Um, Why don't you actually share? (laughs) Well, not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, I actually still find ways to travel now, which is, it's a lot well, of hiking. Well, I saw, I'm not sure if it was during the quarantine or if it was right before you went to a desert, Joshua right? Tree. Yes. Okay. So right before it quarantine. It so beautiful. And it was, and I'm so happy I was able to do that trip. It was really sporadic. It was me and my boyfriend. We were just like, oh, let's just get up and like go somewhere and like do something. Um, for his birthday. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, why don't you do something like, I don't know, out of town? Because this is before like the pandemic hit before the stay at home order. Mm-hmm. It was just a, like maybe a, a little over a week 
before. Yeah, but I remember the climate, it was like recently. Yeah, but the climate of society has changed so much. So it feels like, oh my goodness, like, weren't you thinking about the quarantine or a pandemic? And it was like, no, like, no. <laughs> that, that shift happened March 16th <laughs> when, when the stay at home order went into place. But um, it was an amazing trip. Um, I loved how they're like, even in Joshua Tree, a lot of the people are like, everything's locally grown. They're growing their own food and then cooking it. Um, mm-hmm. So just seeing a little bit of that ranch living was really nice too as well there. But even since being quarantined, I've made an effort to like take hikes. So for my birthday, I really wanted to do something like that got my body moving because, you know, quarantine pounds were real. And it was a newer, I'm in a newer, newer relationship too. So it's like we were in quarantine and a newer relationship. It's like tons of like cooking and oh, like yes. kind of like cooking like you'd be going <laughs> on things, like really good food. I'm like making mm-hmm. pastas and burgers this and, <laughs> you know, like experimenting with food with a partner. And mm-hmm. I was just like, this has to stop. <laughs> and then also it seemed like things in California <laughs> you know, because certain social distancing laws have gone into place, it made it easier mm-hmm. to, okay, I'll wear my hat, mask. I can, it, it feels a little bit safer in terms of like, I can go on a hike knowing that everyone mm-hmm. else is not ordered to wear a mask. So for my birthday, I went to Ojai. Um, it's about two hours north, but because of quarantine, it was only an hour, 20 minutes to get there, which is great. Oh, and nice. yeah, so LA traffic is like non-existent. <laughs> I mean, now it's picking back up now that he's kind of like, I think we're in phase one of reopening. Mm -hmm. So um, I think like certain like clothing shops, certain shops are now open that wasn't open, even if it's just for pickup and delivery. So I just noticed there's more people on the street. So it's still being mindful in that sense, but just getting more fresh air, taking a walk in nature. Like I feel um, like that's so important during this time. Exactly. And the area in Ohio I went was called the Punch Bowls, and it was really beautiful. It's like a four-mile hike in, four-mile hike out. So, awesome. so it was a really good workout. Um, it's beautiful. It's fresh air. And then they have, like, these lagoons. So it felt like an obstacle course because I was literally crossing over rocks and, like, little ponds getting from one side of the river to the other. So you're, it really feels like, you know, like Legends of the Hidden Temple, but for adults. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love that. I actually, I'm like so upset that uh, we moved from Colorado and like basically we spent maybe like what, two months here and then got put onto lockdown um, because I was like, wow, like I was like, I miss the weather in Colorado. Yeah, why did you move from Colorado if you don't mind me asking? No, I don't mind at all. Um, We really loved it. Um, Literally one of the best places I've ever lived. I got to be honest. Um, Not so much. I mean, Denver is definitely up and coming, but I can't Mm -hmm. say that Denver is any different than any other city. It's just, you know, it's a city. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing is that on the weekends or whenever we would have time off, we could easily take a drive up to the mountains and that's literally what I lived for, yeah. um, you know, going on hikes or, I mean, I'm not an active hiker, but even if like we went, you know, and took a one hour, two hour drive up to either Vail or Beaver Creek, Beaver Creek is actually one of my favorite places. Um, you could just walk around and the air is so much fresher and it just, 
you feel like you're on top of the world there. Like that's how fresh the air is. But the thing was, so we lived there for a year, loved every bit of it. Um, but I also started to realize that I miss my family a lot. Um, and so all of my family that's here is on the East Coast. So mm-hmm. like in the New York, Jersey, Massachusetts area. Yeah. So I, and then I also ended up losing my grandma. Um, she lived in Ukraine, but mm-hmm. I was really close with her. I'm so and sorry. I do feel like I remember okay. seeing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happened pretty quickly. It happened like literally um, March of last year. And we have only been living in Denver for maybe four months and she passed. And I ended up flying out uh, with my mom and my sister to go to mm-hmm. Ukraine. And it was, it was hard. It was one of the hardest losses I had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized that, you know, I really need to be there for my mom and be closer to her because she never remarried or anything like that after my dad passed. So it's really just me and my sister that she kind of has like, I mean, she has other people, she has friends and our other family yeah. members, but I mean, you know, like we're her daughters. And so I really wanted to be closer to my family and, you know, I'm married. And so, you know, starting to think about like raising kids and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. we're not pregnant yet, but it's definitely something that we, yeah, talk it's about. like you knew that so, it, you're moving into that space, you know? Yeah. And it's like, why don't I meant it's like being prepared, being, being discerning. Like my mom yeah. is getting older her mother's yeah. past, like I should probably be closer to home. And I think like yeah. with this quarantine, like people are realizing that, like, who are you really connecting with? Who are you talking to? You know, who is worth seeing during a quarantine? And yeah. I think we're realizing the value of family and like the nuclear home being yes. like, the beginning of community. 100% like you said it to the T. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and that happened to me last year when I lost my grandma, where I started, like, I need to be there yeah. for my mom, you know, and just um, in general, like around my cousins and aunts and uncles. And so, I mean, we live in Philly now, for mm-hmm. those of you listening, but, um, and the reason we actually picked Philly is because we really didn't want to move back to New York. Right. Because honestly, New York, it's, I joke about it, but oh, I'm like, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't think people get it though, because mm-hmm. of how much um, Williamsburg and Park Slope are known as like the Brooklyn. Like when right. people, like, really, like if you think about it, right. Um, I'm not sure if you get this, but like when you say you're from Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. People automatically think Williamsburg or Park Slope the way it is right now. Yeah. Or even who part, I grew up in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. The way Crown Heights, Brooklyn is right now is not what it was when 20 years ago or even 25 years ago, you know, when I like yeah. was growing up there. It's, it's so different. I feel like so much mm-hmm. has changed. Even my, like where I grew up, like, well, I grew up in Coney Island, like right across the street from Luna Park, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I moved and I lived on Kings, on Kings Highway. Mm-hmm. But that so home, much of Merle lived on Kings Highway. So much. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys all saw each other at the supermarket or something. This is definitely, definitely. <laughs> 
I mean, I, every time we, cause we, you know, we go back and we visit everyone uh, pretty often, mm-hmm. but wow. It's like, honestly, there's, there's no room for people. No. Like everyone's on top of each other. They you can't go from a place like stores. Colorado to, to that. No, no. I'm like, mm-mm. no. <laughs> <laughs> and then after this, well, actually, to be honest with you, I'll, I'll be really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, when we were thinking about moving back, I did think about Hoboken because it was close to the city, yeah, but then yeah. it's like, you know, it's got like some cute coffee shops and, and it's by the water. Like little, and it's by the water. Room. Yeah. My husband was like, no. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> so too close. Yeah. He's like, we're not living there. No. He goes, well, what are we paying for? Like, there's literally, we're not going to get anything at all for like, if basically, if you want to live there, you need to be making like millions. <laughs> Why do you think uh, that New York has is so big on like people like love it and revere it, but like the quality of life is so bad. And a lot of people who live there, I'm like, how do you not see this? Like, I just think about a great question. immediately moving to California. I lost weight just because the food I was eating was like fresh and local just because yeah. most, a lot of food is grown here. Like the yeah. avocado tasted a thousand oh, times. Oh my God. <laughs> and the avocados we- that I had in Colorado were yeah. divine. See, yeah, because they probably got right, right right next door, <laughs> or even if well, they they were from Mexico. There. Oh, see, even better. Like, and think about delivery times, right? If they're mm-hmm. grown in Mexico, they're gonna get to Colorado a lot faster than they're gonna get to New York or something. Yeah. Plus, they also had a lot of farms in Colorado, so they mm-hmm. also had a lot of markets with a lot of fresh food and everyone there is very health conscious very similar to LA where when you go to the store like for example i remember when i would go into like whole foods or trader joe's or um they had sprouts farmers market so i would go in there and everyone is in um like workout gear mm-hmm. and i would, it would make me so happy because I'm like, <laughs> I'm around my people. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone just did a hike. They're, I like today I went yeah. to the farmer's market. I'm going to go on a hike later. Uh, yes. Today, like, during the day, I've been like prepping food and like making smoothies, watering my plant. Yeah. So it's like a, part of it could just be growing like age. Like I was younger in New York. So my experience in New York is not going to necessarily be as um full circle as someone who's living there as an adult like you can definitely yeah. go to the farmer's market now and stuff I just feel like it's not as so much of the culture of the city I don't um, think so either a but lot I do less think that going to farmer's markets and eating from a farmer's market there as opposed to like going to a bodega or grabbing a muffin or eating a bagel and having coffee right right I mean I think that a lot of it well, I can only speak from personal experience. From personal experience, I think that to answer your question, the reason people don't really see it is because they haven't left it enough. Um, That's for true. me, what really played it, like I started looking at New York differently when I went to study abroad in fall of 2011. And I went mm-hmm. to Cyprus And I lived there for a couple of months and then I traveled through Europe. And when I came back, like that's when I started to see things in a different way. 
You're so right. I would I would probably say the same thing. I studied abroad in 2012 and oh. I studied abroad <laughs> in London. Um, I did like a marketing perspectives study abroad. So I was an intern at Marks and Spencer. And one, that was amazing because I basically got to eat free from their cafeteria every day. They have like a beautiful oh. canteen, that's like employee based. Since I was in the corporate office, I got like oh, a twenty five pound nice. stipend, which was like fifty bucks US. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a lot. Cause pounds now, I mean we have Brexit, we have all these things going on. So mm-hmm. The pound is not as much as it used to be, but when I studied abroad, it was super expensive because I literally needed double the money for the five weeks I was there. But luckily, the internship I was selected to go with was like Mm -hmm. the perfect fit for me because I got that 25 pound stipend, which pretty much covered most of my groceries and eating eating fresh food from the canteen. And I would say during that experience, like you said, like, you're like, wow, there's so much more to life than just New York City, like other cities, other cultures, other foods. I remember going to Brick Lane and like, you know, I mean, Brooklyn is multicultural. Yes. It is. So like I did eat other foods way before I traveled, but just having a different perspective, like, you know, a breakfast in France and a breakfast in America are completely different. So I would different. definitely tell you one is full of way more carbs. When I went to Morocco, so after my study abroad, of course, that kind of ignited my passion for travel. Mm-hmm. And I eventually, like a few years later, after I graduated college, I lost my first corporate job and decided to start my travel blog and go on a 16-day Euro, Euro tour, which also oh, included uh, Morocco, so Africa. And... Mm-hmm. I'm and dying Morocco. to go there. Oh my God. It's beautiful. Like, I, don't, Oh my God. I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I dream about, no, I'm living, I'm living to go there. Like, <laughs> I have visions about it. Well, you'll be eating a lot of bread and honey um, for be- breakfast <laughs> and tea and, and Moroccan tea. And honestly, like, it's so funny because it's so simple. It's so light. Um, even though it is bread, you're not overeating. Um, I think a big part of overeating comes to the lack of preparation we do for ourselves with food. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to go buy as much food as you want and come home and shove it down. It's another thing to overeat food that you're constantly preparing for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say that in other cultures, there's a lot more preparation, like into there's the a lot of love, I feel like and a lot of love that goes into it too. And like imagine like, what you eat is a form of self-care. Like, do you love yourself? Yeah. I think sometimes I used to be like, oh, that that's too expensive. It's like, I deserve Same. that. I deserve that yeah. vegan ice cream if I want it because I know it's not going to hurt my stomach as badly as like ice cream with lactose or just even if it's, even if it's lactose free, just dairy based, I'm not going to have as much mucus buildup. Like I do it's understand. Like a lot of it is a mental thing. Right. But I do understand that food needs to be more accessible in brown and black communities and also just like people of color, like immigrants as well. Like if fresher foods are accessible, then people will eat that way. But it's hard to tell a mother of five, like, uh, you need to be eating raw vegan. All your, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hard to say that. I think what's more important is to live an inspired life. I think you do that and I do that. By, you know, 
cooking what works for us, showing people what works for us. And they could take bits and pieces of that and put that in their life too, if it helps. Like, but I'm not, I don't think anyone should expect someone to completely transform. I mean, I know that there's people who eating vegan, they have adverse effects. I've seen people Mm -hmm. like cure their own diseases. Um, And of course that statement's not FDA or (laughs) approved in any way, but (laughs) You know, if people say that's their experience with it, I have to, you know, go with it. Um, And all I'm trying to do is share my experience of healing my body through yeah. eating well. Yeah, and I think fun it, with it. Having, know, yeah, having, not having never it. eat something I, I like, like that I grew up eating. Mm-hmm. There is a connection to food that's beyond just nutrition. Like you said, it could be nostalgic. A yeah. certain certain smell or certain food could remind you of a certain childhood memory and you want to go back there like cotton candy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, you're, yeah, you're, I think you're so right. And I feel like, you know, when you start the health journey and you start eating cleaner in the beginning and, you know, myself included when I started and I was raw vegan, I was so excited about it. I wanted to mm-hmm. share it with everyone. That's part of the reason why I created my Instagram account and I posted so many smoothies. So anyone who's been following me for a long time, yes. <laughs> like, you know the smoothie girl. <laughs> and you have it. You, I like I don't know where you got your mason jars, but they were they did not look regular size. That's what everyone used to say, but they were. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I mean like some of them were bigger, but then like they look like you were drinking ounce smoothies every day. Well, when I was raw vegan, I was consuming a lot. Uh, well, yeah. especially because I followed the 80-10-10. So 80% of what you eat is carbs, 10% is fat, and 10% is protein by oh, yeah. Dr. Doug Graham. Mm-hmm. So that was the, that was the raw vegan um, version that I followed at least. And I, I did I'm it. I'm kind of doing that now, but I really don't because I'm pretty much I think that's pretty much what like the fruitarian diet is. Exactly. So I'm kind of doing that now, but um, I'm not as for the 21 days, but I guess I'm not as caught up. I'm not like, oh, my goodness, I've only had fruit today. I need to eat. I'll just eat what I feel like that fits within veggies, fruit, raw. (laughs) Right. No, I, mean, I didn't seeds. really. Know. Some of some people don't eat nuts and seeds because it's too much fat. Mm-hmm. Like cashews. I love cashews so much. Me too. <laughs> I just feel like if I'm eating whole foods, I'm not going to beat myself up about it because again, that really that bad relationship that a lot of us have with food because we see we see food and we see weight. Yeah. And those exactly. do not equate each other. I've gotten skinny and saw what being skinny looks like. And it wasn't as satisfying as I thought. Right. I feel like I probably bigger sometimes. I was smaller, but it looked bigger because I had loose skin. As opposed to when I was just eating what I wanted. I looked more toned because I didn't have as much loose skin from rapid weight loss because I'm not is consuming enough calories or I'm working out and I'm just doing cardio, but I'm not actually building muscle and strength in my body. But you're building, but then you start, you started doing yoga, right? And then you started to build that muscle up. So now it wasn't just running, but now you started to really incorporate that 
other aspect is like once you get yourself into a good place um, and you start adding in the exercise, that's really, I think, what takes you to the next level, which I'm learning as well, because that really gives you that major, major boost of confidence to get you to that next step of feeling worthy. Right. Like for me, I don't know if you've like studied the Ayurvedic doshas, but Mm -hmm. basically um, it's like from thousands of years ago before we had doctors and blood types and knowing what works and what doesn't and all these other testing, we literally just have like this ancient Indian science to food and health. And it basically was your body's made up of these three elements or three doshas, which is vada, kapha, pitta. And then what we all have more, we're all more dominant in one dosha than the other. So going through my yoga teacher training, that's something I really got to, I knew about Ayurvedic science, but I really didn't delve into it. But you do during your teacher training because yoga is a mind and body connection, right? So Mm -hmm. learning yoga philosophy and learning about um, the Ayurvedic diet, I now can like simply be like, oh, I need more heat. Because like Mm. you need like an inner fire to really digest and burn. Um, And if your body's naturally me, I am more air. So I'm more vata, which means that like my food routine isn't as regular. I'm like what what my natural disposition is, is Mm -hmm. to like almost intermittent fast. That's my natural eating cycle. But what my body actually needs, because that's my natural cycle, is the opposite. It needs a regimented di- like timing for food. Like I need to start eating, and I noticed since I've been doing that, my digestion has a lot of been better. Has been a lot better. Mm, interesting. I also have a naturally acidic stomach, so maybe drinking tons of coffee isn't going to help my stomach, but irritate it more. And learning what works for your body is the best way to learn learn what you need to eat, as opposed to be like you can't have this and you can't have that. That's how you develop a bad relationship with food. I still like coffee. It might not be something I should be drinking every single day. Or even if I do, maybe not two to three cups. Mm -hmm. But offset it. Uh, I'm there with you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know you love coffee. I love coffee. coffee with your MCT oil. Oh my God. Yes. But I know I can't have it. And I've, I've been feeling that more and more. And I know how, what I was saying. um, That was your sign. That was my sign. I like yesterday I was in so much pain and I think it's because I just had too much coffee and it brought me back to a place I didn't like want to feel that's like, it was like major stomach pain. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I was like, I, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I think this is a sign that like, I need to really cut back, even though I really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not good. And I, I do, I agree with you. I think it's, you know, everyone is so different. But I think that it's about inspiring people to just start that journey of like, experimenting with their bodies. Yeah. And, and really what for them. Get to know it. Yeah, because I yes. feel like for a long time, I really didn't know what my body wanted because I, I was, I thought I was giving it what it needed without yeah. listening to it. And I will say, especially in the past couple months, being quarantined, making my own food, and now on this like one week into this like vegan journey, raw vegan journey. I've been, as you know, but I'll, I'll let the 
people on the podcast know too, I've tried vegetarianism that lasted for a year and a half. It ended when I went mm-hmm. to my study abroad because then I got greedy and I wanted to eat like <laughs> sausages and chocolate croissants yeah. and all this stuff. Also worth it. That's what I needed at the Normal time. feelings. Oh, normal feelings. Yes, normal feelings. Um, then when I moved to LA, I started eating keto vegan because of South Beach diet. And I love that mm-hmm. too. But also for me and my enjoyment of food, eating keto vegan long term, it did keep weight off and it has continued to, I feel like I am, I'm more mindful of how much carbs I do take in, but eating, mm-hmm. being in ketosis for me, I don't feel like, especially how active I like to be with yoga and all this other stuff is would just not, it's not sustainable. Um, and it took me time to realize that as I've like been exploring my body journey. But after that, well, I actually on South Beach Diet, I did keto. I wasn't vegan. After okay. keto, I went to keto vegan. Then after that, I was like, okay, um, I kind of just started eating whatever because I started thinking about money. I was going through like a hard financial time. Mm-hmm. So I started kind of eating whatever. And I worked at a restaurant recently too. So that was, was help added to that and because I wanted to try everything on the menu. And mm-hmm. then between that and being quarantined and being in a new relationship, I started just putting on weight because I had now changed my diet and wasn't in tune with my body. But my partner is very in tune with his body. Like he wakes up, he drinks his water, he uses the bathroom, he has breakfast, he starts work. Like a very, mm-hmm. and it's always been like that. The moment it's off, he feels it, he knows it, he knows what to do to fix it. And I just That's find that awesome. so admirable. And it made me in tune with my body. He's like, yeah, I think you're hungry. Like your energy's low. And I was like, I can wait. He's like, uh, mm. no, your energy's low. Like that's the first sign of hunger. And right. that's when I really started to be like, you're right. Like I wait way too long to eat sometimes. Then I put my body in starvation mode and then I overeat. And then I eat what I want and I'm not even sometimes what I want. I'm trying to change what I want now. But at that time, what I wanted wasn't healthy. And now mm. I'm not so much trying to... I'm doing a detox, but I'm really just trying to change the things I want. Mm. Like change that, like, like change your cravings. Food. Yeah. Of like, oh, chocolate's yummy, but you know, or eating that muffin, it would be yummer, yummier than eating, you know, fruit or a smoothie because Got that's how, what I've always told sense. myself all these years. So I'm trying to use this raw vegan process to really go back to, once I start cooking, I'll still be eating plant-based vegan for the most part. But once I go back to cooking my food, which I love, I love warm food. So that's been the hardest mm-hmm. part of it is appreciating it because I know what it's like to strip it all out of my diet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just enjoy like cooked mushrooms, broccoli, yes. <laughs> yes. you know, like quinoa and not feel like, oh, I'm eating carbs. I feel like I'm eating right. food. And, and that's fine because you're supposed to eat food. But I love that. I love that you're not like this. You're literally an example of like exactly what I mean by like not being scared to change it up or switch it if something's not working. Because and I think that's how me and you are very similar in mm-hmm. our journeys, because 
neither of us are scared to try something and then say, hey, guys, it didn't work. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm going to move on yeah. to something yeah, exactly. else. Because, um, <laughs> you know, when I first started, um, I made my account name plant-based goddess because I was just eating plants. Yeah. And then after some time, I, you know, I did the raw vegan, I did the vegan and everything. I really, there was a phase where I started to crave fish and I love seafood. Yeah. I'm not a big meat eater, but I really do love seafood. Mm-hmm. And I was felt, and I was like, you know, I really want it, but I was like, I can't, I can't. And so this internal battle that lasted quite some time. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it because like, th- like yeah, this is the only time you, I'm going to live. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, me. Me. <laughs> And I ate it. I ate the fish and I felt so guilty afterward. I felt, no, it, I felt amazing in the moment because I was like, oh, I miss this. Like I was, I feel like I was literally making love to the fish in my mouth oh my gosh. <laughs> because it tasted yeah, so good. I it, I'm like, oh, that made my toes curl. Something <laughs> really good. Yeah. yeah. We love food. We're generally foodies. So like, yeah. Limit ourselves but, on what we eat. I think we have an understanding now that, all right, maybe I can't. It's I okay. Should, I, yeah. I feel, but clearly if I really not. want it, then it's, yeah. it's yeah. okay. Yeah. And I think yeah. that was my, like, until uh, this day, I have a thing with labels because mm-hmm. that's why, I, that's when I changed my name to just like being my name and not yeah. plant-based goddess. Cause I'm like, okay, who do I think I am here? Like get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's one. And B, you're not eating just plants. So I felt like I was like, not, I wasn't being true to myself. So now yeah. when people ask me, it's like, cause lately I have been eating fish and I even had a, some meat that I've tried recently, but mm-hmm. um, I'm not coming out and saying that I'm vegan or that I'm only plant-based. I say, I try to explain to people that I'm primarily plant-based cause that is what I am. I do pri- mm-hmm. like I eat two salads a day. That's what I eat. But I do have fish from time to time. And sometimes if we're at a barbecue and I really want to try a, like a small piece of meat that my husband made because to make him feel good, I'll try it, you know, and also, and also because I want to try it. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never craved, I've never wanted to for a long time though, but for some reason, all of a sudden I'm having these cravings and I think it's letting go of that ego of trying to keep to a title, quote unquote, and really I think a big part yeah, of that has a- allowing branding. myself. Yeah. What? Social media branding has really made people feel like yeah. they have to stick to a title. Like, oh, well, people yeah. know me know me as this. But like, we yeah. are that are evolving and growing. What my body needs now as a woman without child is not what it's going to need as a nursing mother. It's not what it's going right. to need as a mother of three or, you know, as an older woman, like it's going to need different things. What my body needed as a teen, I guess, like it was Cheetos and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking, but I think a big part of eating stuff like that is like as a kid, like your taste buds are still developing. Like you're still learning what your likes and dislikes are. So you tend to eat things that are overly salty, overly sweet. Um, And as you Mm -hmm. get older, they say your taste buds change every seven years. So it's a mixture of eating what's yummy, but eating what's good for you inside too. Yes. No, I, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I am thinking about, um, 
I mean, I haven't been feeling my best though, to be honest though, after eating certain, a lot of those things. Right. And I feel like maybe just with my body, it's not the best. Like I enjoy all those foods, but it's also doesn't make me feel my best. So I'm actually thinking of um, doing plant, trying out plant-based keto. Mm. So very strict. Um, But I have heard a lot of people who have like, um, you know, chronic health problems or even people who have like more severe health problems use that as a way to treat themselves. And so like, I'm sure you've probably seen that, like I've healed my thyroid. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been off of my thyroid medication for like Amazing. over three years you now. FH, right? you, your family. I have FH. FH yes. Yeah. Um, so my goal, and I'm going to say this right now publicly that my goal is that one day, one mm-hmm. day I will have reversed my FH. I know that sounds impossible and technically it's not really possible based on what the diagnosis is because it's related to your genes and having a defective gene on your liver. But but I feel like there is some kind of a way in the world <laughs> that I will be able to manage my cholesterol le- levels without relying on synthetic drugs. That I believe that's very possible. I think it's possible because I do believe in herbs. I think mm-hmm. using herbs, um, plant-based keto, you know, turns your body in, into working in a very different way. Yeah. Um, healing your liver. I I do think that there's a there's got to be a way. I feel I mean, like there's, there's you know, connection just right now between like a vegan diet. And like cutting meat, like having less meat in your diet, there are connections to that and better health. So mm-hmm. uh, I will say that it ha- that has worked for a lot of people. I know I do have a friend that she was vegan and had adverse effects to her health. So now she like eats, um, she eats meat, she eats cheese, she eats all that stuff, but she's really mindful on where she gets it from. Mm-hmm. And that but plays a big factor too to do that. She also has the means to be mindful. Like she right. can go to. She lives in California. She's pretty well doing well for herself. If she wants to buy a ten dollar piece cube of cheese because that's like the best cheese, you know, for her, she can. Someone else may yeah. not. But I just figure, you know, what we can do is do the best with what we have, and that's always just eating more whole food whatever that might look like. I agree. I agree. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for coming onto my podcast. This has been such a beautiful, beautiful episode. I feel like, um, thank you for sharing your story. Um, and I wanted so much, (laughs) you know, so much more we can talk about. There's so much. I I didn't, I was was holding back. I know. <laughs> I think we'll. I think we'll definitely have to record another episode, like a part yeah. two, <laughs> if you're down. <laughs> I would love that. I would love to go into like food and wellness, like an actual mental health, and like I'd love to do that. And even for me, like becoming a yoga instructor, I feel like there was a huge connection between like, or even just before I was even you know able to teach, but just practicing. There's mm-hmm. a huge connection between a practice like that and eating. I know so yeah. many people that say when they practice yoga, they can't eat bad. 
I've heard that a lot, actually. And it happened, like, a lot. My vegan, when I was practicing heavily, that's when I was eating vegan. Wow. Are you Um, still practicing now? I am, but I wouldn't say as heavily. One, because of quarantine, I really loved practicing in the hot yoga studio because I did heated yoga. Um, Okay, I've never tried that, but I really want to. Yes, amazing. Um, I think you just feel your body a lot more just because it's heat. And because, Mm -hmm. again, I told you, my Ayurvedic chart, I need heat. Whether it's tea, whether it's cayenne pepper in my food, I need to add extra heat in order for my digestion, my digestive system to really work the way it needs to. Something Um, tells me I might be the same thing because I add cayenne pepper to everything I cook. Oh my goodness. I've been adding it to these spicy kale salads. It's like raw vegan thing. Oh, I was put onto it and it's like one of my favorite salads. It's just like lemon, honey, uh, salt, pepper, cayenne pepper, garlic powder as like an an avocado oil. And that literally just makes the dressing. And then I put it on. Tried um, adding tahini also to that. No. Okay, girl, you got to try it. It's going to like, it's going to be my so life. creamy and delicious. And tell me what you think afterwards. Okay, I have to. I have some tahini I actually got from a company, but it's chocolate tahini. So I'm not going to use that. Okay, maybe not chocolate. Run, maybe not chocolate tahini. But my next food run, I definitely will get some. Yes, add some tahini to your salad. That's a, actually, that's like a secret of mine. Uh, sometimes I put tahini into my salad dressings with avocado. Mm. If you want your salad dressing to be very, very creamy. Rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I made a cashew dressing too, which I like. Oh, which- yum. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay, learning. Well- I will say, I will leave on this note. I will say it is hard. Like we're talking about this after like a whole decade of life experience. Yeah. Like this journey of like figuring out what your body needs and eating is hard, mm-hmm. but it is so well worth it. And it's so rewarding every time, like, you know, you're putting things in your body that's good for you. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think it's important that you actually brought that up because I didn't even think about saying that. Yeah, everything that we're talking about is over a decade of experience. This did not happen overnight at all. And I mean, what would you say, like, if you were to give advice, okay, to someone who's just starting out, like to someone who's like your younger self, you know, Mm -hmm. um, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give them? It's funny. It's actually kind of been advice that's been helping me now. Um, And it's from a friend. I think I told you about her, the one who told me about seed, that probiotic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. She calls herself Doti by Francis, and it's D-O-T-I, basically, don't overthink it. That's Um, cute. And I think that's so true. Like, a lot of times we get overwhelmed with the idea of, and I honestly, this raw vegan journey is not, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I want to make creative things, but it's so much mental bandwidth that it takes up. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's right now it's doing that. Eventually it's going to become part of like the time I'm taking to learn these recipes and like buy these things and try that, try out. Oh, let me see how cherimoya tastes. Let me see how this um, kale, how this kale tastes and like, or how it cooks. Mm-hmm. That takes time, but 
if you don't overthink it, you'll be willing to work through it. And I think create like what works for you and also make it yummy, like enjoy it in the process. I love that. And where can people find you? People can find me, I think, primarily on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is at with love Cole. So it's spelled W-I-T-H-L-O-V-E-C-O-L-E. Um, and then also they can find me on Twitter at that same handle, on Facebook at that same handle. I think you'd have to add another E at the end because, you know, Facebook all the URLs are always taken up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate it. They will soon eventually. Um, YouTube is still something, again, I'm working through. But I, I do have the handle with Love Cole. So like that will be my YouTube channel platform as well when it does go get up and running. And also, most importantly, my blog, which is what started this journey of like health and wellness and travel is and you have so many beautiful, beautiful photos on there. Thank you. Um, part of it is because I'm really just like, into aesthetically pleasing things being a tourist, but a part of it is just I'm a little shallow and like want to have cute pictures everywhere I go. So same. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Right? <laughs> so the combination leads to a beautiful platform, thankfully. Um, but yes, my travel blog is Latitude and Avenue. Um, so Latitude Things.com, Latitude and Avenue. So Latitude runs east and west and avenues primarily run north and south so when i started it i originally wanted it to be a space that encompassed all things travel but as i've been on this like health and wellness journey as well i kind of wanted to intersect the two worlds because i feel like it's through travel i've learned so much and living different places and like really experiencing life i've learned so much more about myself but uh, you know the world as a global community so I love yeah, that. you can That's find so me at all those places. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I will leave a link to all of your sites um, so that people could easily access that and see everything that you post about. And I think that you should totally go subscribe to her YouTube page so you could be one of the first, <laughs> one of, the first of her followers. Yeah. No videos up yet, but subscribe. <laughs> to come. Coming soon. Yeah. Well, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so much, Nicole, for doing this and for sharing your story and your advice and your journey through, um, you know, starting a healthier lifestyle and like what that has done for you, not just physically, but also mentally. And I'm sure I think after this conversation, we clearly see we have a lot to talk about. So I think yeah. we'll definitely be recording a part two for this. So <laughs> to come, um, yeah. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into Naturally Nino podcast, uh, where we talk about authenticity and healing and mental health and uh, relationships, just everything full circle. And uh, leave your comments below and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye.